Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. We are hunters, anglers, riders, and sometimes chefs. Our passion for the outdoor lifestyle motivated the foundation of Harvesting Nature, which serves as a media outlet built to inspire and educate the outdoor expert and novice alike. Our podcast focuses on the technical side of cooking wild fish and game, while also incorporating adventures and lessons learned from our pursuit of wild meat. Join us on our journey of Harvesting Nature. We want to celebrate your love and appreciation for the show so during the month of june we're going to be collecting entries for a giveaway which will will announce on july 1st so there's a link over in the show notes where you can go and enter the contest there's about 10 different ways to enter each one gets you different points but you can go explore that on your own more importantly we'll be giving away a weston meat grinder an autographed copy of eat wild game by Harvest in Nature, Justin Townsend, along with some Traeger sauces and seasonings. So go check out the show notes, click the link, and enter today. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the uh, Harvest in Nature Wild Fish and Game podcast. Uh, happy to have a, a guest with us on today. Um, got other members of the crew here. So, Eddie, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Ed Dickey. A lot of folks know me as Eddie Free on, on, on the social media. Um, I've got a company called Texas Wild Hog Control. I started it about three years ago. Um, I've been hunting, fishing, trapping my whole life. Uh, professionally, I started this company, uh, like I said, three years ago. And um, it's been pretty successful. It's keeping me pretty busy. Um, uh, I've you know, done jobs for uh, school districts. Um, commercial businesses, residences, farmers, ranchers, and uh, it's something I really enjoy and uh, excited to talk to you guys about it. Yeah, we're definitely excited to have you on, and uh, it's pretty cool. I, I think I've we, we've followed each other on social media, be it Instagram or Facebook, I think for for several years now, and I, I've watched kind of the your business grow, and I've been really excited to see all the hogs you've been trapping. Uh, I know that's a, a big problem uh, in Texas and even other parts of the U.S. as well. So uh, awesome to talk a little bit about trapping today and hunting and, and eating too. So uh, we got Dustin with us. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And Corey as well. How's it going? I was doing a little bit of research this afternoon uh, and morning sort of looking at the hogs. So just full disclosure, I grew up in southeastern Oklahoma, so don't hold it against me. But uh, we, uh, I grew up hunting wild hogs uh, there. Didn't really eat them much. My family wasn't big on eating them. Uh, now sort of, I don't know, my opinions change, and, and I'll, I'll eat a hog if it seems pretty clean. But um, just looking at that, Texas is, 
had a real growth spurt of it over the the past few decades, uh, as I've seen. You know, just widespread across the U.S. too. Looking thirty nine states, probably more now, up into Canada as well. Uh, a lot of attribution to them being sort of part of the their resilientness uh, and adaptability as an animal. When when Eddie, when did you first start seeing a, a widespread hog problem in your area? Really, I'd say within the past twenty years, uh, mostly. You know, we'd go out to hunt and um, we'd go out to whitetail hunt, and sometimes we'd get lucky and get a hog also. Um, but now it's just um, now there's actually hogs in every county of Texas, which I think that only changed changed within the past couple of years. But now every county in Texas. And you're right, it's a resilient animal. Um, you know, the conquistadors uh, are the ones who brought them over. Um, it, it, it was a, a food supply as they were, you know, traveling and exploring the, the Americas. They would just dump off um, hogs on different islands and all that. And every time they'd sail back around, they had a, had a food source. So, um, but they're, they're extremely uh, destructive. Um, uh, you know, a multitude of, of uh, reptiles are, are endangered by them, uh, amphibians, um, ground-nesting birds. You know, anyone that wants to uh, uh, to have turkey on their land, you, you would do uh, well to, uh, to uh, manage the hog population. And I've seen growing up, uh, a lot of the farmers would not necessarily pay us, but it was kind of a, a no-holds-barred to come out and help clear clear uh hogs off their property yeah um and 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 that's really times have changed with hunting you know a lot of the farmers now um they can see they see that they can make some money off of it um i goose hunt down here i'm outside of katie outside of houston just west of houston and katie which is uh and i hunt in eagle lake which is considered the goose capital uh, snow goose capital hunting in the world so um oh, they're wow. capital of the world um so uh you know I've, like i said i i've grown up here hunting and fishing and uh to, yeah the, the hog problem within the past 20 years i'd say that's it's really uh, it's really gone and and i've seen i i think it's watching the populations grow in places it, it's grown beyond sort of managing it with with hunting and that's where your your profession comes sure. in. And and hunting, I really, I mean, with us, um, the most effective means of, 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 of managing these hogs is trapping um, and, and until they come up with a poison, which um, I'm against. Uh, a lot of environmental groups are against it. I'm, you know, <clears throat> they came out with the wet, wet, Wayfaring, I believe it was called. You know, there's a guy at the uh, USDA that sits in a room and he just sits there and watches buzzards die all day until they can finally find a poison that's you know not going to pass through the uh, the food chain. Um, the, the most effective uh, way of combating these hogs is trapping. But you know you have to use other tools also. So there's helicopter gunning and then there's hunting. There's a time and place for it. Um, you know typically the, the hunting and shooting these animals is, is best. Um, during the springtime, um, or, or, or right around uh, planting season, um, it's harder to get these hogs into the traps um, in, in the summertime. There's just so much more vegetation available to them. 
And um, so we usually tend to find the best time to, to, to trap is uh, from January when all everyone's deer feeders shut off. Uh, from January to April was really the optimum time to uh, to trap trap these. They get kind of kind of trained on the feeders, and then once they stop, they that noise sounds familiar, and they're like, "All right." That's right. Yeah, and, and during the hunting season when we're trapping, and we still we still trap them and, and we still get them in there, but we're competing with everyone else's feeder. Uh, during that time, so um, and and I still have a lot of success, but um, but uh, typically it's, it's the best time is January to April. So Texas has has moved to I guess some some different uh, rules with it. So if you trap them live, as far as I know, you're allowed to sell the meat or sell the pig to be commercially processed and then sold. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Well, okay. So you can you can trap hog, and you can hold them for seven days. Okay, but they have to be in a secure either a, a secure trailer or a holding pen. You can hold them for seven days, um, and you can uh, either sell them um, to a um, to a, a registered holding facility, um, or you can go ahead and just put them down. But um, the, the males will typically, um, you can sell them to a holding facility, and the holding facility can sell them to a hunting preserve. They would have to have a license from the Texas Park and Wildlife. So uh, typically a lot of bigger males will go um, to, to the hunting preserves, and then, uh, of course, the, the, the sows would, would, would be slaughtered typically. Okay. And, Which um, I mean, and the bigger boars, you don't want to eat them. They, no. they're, they're they're horrible, and even the nursing sows, I won't eat a nursing sow either, uh, just because the hormones are all going crazy, and I think that that spoils the meat too. So, uh, your younger sows, piglets, uh, male female piglets are great, um, but and the younger sows, I I think are edible, um, but uh, beyond that. Um, I, I tend to, tend to not. say when uh when you have them in these holding facilities, is there a way to kind of control their diet for their last days and then make them taste better as you sell them off? I don't know if the holding facilities do that. I know people try to do that when they hold them themselves, but um, they'll try to get them on corn. But um, from what I've heard, a lot of hogs in captivity, they don't last long, and it's too hard to keep weight on them. They're stressed yeah. out, and uh, you can't keep weight on them. I can see that. Yeah, I imagine coming off uh, being wild and being even in in a large enclosure would would still be stressful. But not not to mention being in like a cattle trailer or something, uh, a complete change environment. Mm-hmm. So, huh? I wonder. Uh, have you ever done sort of a, a taste comparison between like something you you've shot in the field, fresh, uh, and something that maybe has been through that process to see if there is a difference in the flavors? Not really. Um, I just, I, I know the biggest difference is just between the younger sows and anything older. It's just sure. that gamey taste. Yep. Um, but as far as um, anyone trying to, you know, put them on corn and then, and then feed them uh, and, and then uh, slaughter them, I've never done any type of comparison. Yeah. I, I would be curious to see that. Maybe I'll follow that away if I ever have the opportunity, but um well, I mean, I've I've tried in the past when I couldn't go up hunting. You know, we're down in the Keys, and especially with the coronavirus lockdown, you can order stuff, but you can't necessarily. Well, being military, we're not allowed to leave a certain area within the state. But um, I, I've tried 
wild boar from uh, what was one of the companies, D'Artagnan, and uh, another one online, and and it still tastes wild. I, I like it. I haven't compared it to anything I've shot, but I, it tastes a lot different than what I have in the fridge from the store. What I typically do with them is, I, is I'll, uh, I'll smoke the hands, I'll smoke the shoulder, and it's just, it's better than any ham you'll ever have in a grocery store. I, I, I like it. I'm a big ham fan, so that, yeah. that appeals to me a lot. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, so some of the reasons that, that they are so threatening and the population has grown so much outside, just kind of their resiliency and just, um, wanted to touch on the reproduction rates oh, yeah. and, and the lack of predators and the ability to, to the sounders grow pretty quickly. Well, they, they reach sexual maturity by five minutes. And technically, they could have three litters in a year. So you extrapolate that out. If they have, you know, if they have up to 10, 10 piglets and, you know, five of those are, are females and then you extrapolate that out, it's insane. We'll never catch up. Um, I think we're only killing, uh, I think it's only around 20%, something like that. That's and uh, just for us to reach static, I think we have to kill about 60% of them. And uh, like I said, we're only at 20% around that. My numbers, I know, are off, but That's, it's somewhere around that to where it's going to be impossible to ever catch up with them. I, I read a, uh, it was a statistic that said even if we killed off 70% of the population and, like, stopped, that within three years they would regain that 70% and be back at a higher population rate than they were before. Which... I think, and I think other states are doing it right. They're a lot stricter than Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, say the state of Georgia. I'm I'm actually a dealer for Jaeger Pro, and that's that's who manufactures the um, hog traps I use. I use a 30 okay. foot diameter corral trap that I activate with my phone. It's got a camera and the motion detector built into the camera triggers, and uh, I just drop the gate with my phone. But um, but uh, they're a company out of Georgia. And, uh, Jaeger Pro, um, you know, they started, they started all this 15 years ago, uh, being able to, to trigger these, uh, these, these gates with, with the phone. But in Georgia, um, there's no selling, there's no transporting, there's none of that. You trap hogs, you gotta put them down. So that's like the ultimate fishing app. You're just sitting there, you get a, a motion, comes up, oh, <laughs> would that one, be nice? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could be just, you know, sitting there watching a movie and I get a notification and that's it. I just, I get my photo, I count the whole sounder. If I see them all in there, I drop the gate, you know, but it's a process. I know when I'm going to drop the gate. So, um, you know, you've really got to kind of condition these hogs to trust the bait site. They're very intelligent animals. So I guess the intelligence hierarchy hierarchy is uh, humans, dolphins, porpoises, apes pigs and then your dog wow oh wow yeah how many times a day do you do you get a notification you get to trap one so i i just set up my i set up my camera to just go off i i I have my feeder go off an hour before sunset and i have it go off just one time that's it because i'm going to condition them to come in um when they hear that sound i don't want to stay up all night long 
um, waiting for these hogs to come in. Sometimes they, you know, they start acting sporadic and I might have to, you know, do that. But, um, you know, really, you know, I go and, and I go and look at the landowner will call me and I'll just go and take a look at the property and just see how much signs I'm seeing. Uh, you know, from rubs to wallows to prints to, uh, of course, the damage in the rooting. And um, I set up a camera. I set up a camera and I set up a feeder. Sometimes I'll set up just the gate and I'll just secure it with two T-posts. And that's it. I keep it very minimal. And um, I, you know, get them, I condition them to basically trust the bait site. So um, when I finally get them coming in, Sometimes it takes a little longer during the summertime. But uh, once I get them in there, I've got it down to about 14 days. Um, they come in the first night, they feed good, they don't act spooky. I'll add some more panels. I've got a 30-foot diameter corral trap that's made of 8-foot panels. And I add those incrementally. Um, you know, each night they come in, they don't act spooky. I'll go out there the next day or maybe let them just feed on that for a day or two and then I'll come out and I'll add two more panels and I slowly start creating a corral working my way each side of this corral towards the gate and over about a two-week process I'm kind of channeling those hogs to kind of enter that enter the bait area from the side where the gate is and then eventually they're just accessing that bait site through the gate and when they're doing that, then I'm ready to go. I go to the bait site, put in my fresh battery, and I just wait. Hmm. At that point, I drop the gate. And it's nice. pretty easy. And then if I'm still trapping in the same area, um, I'll just pull everything back off again to where it's just a feeder, just a, maybe just a single gate and a camera. And have you had start a, the whole process all over again. Have you had a lot of instances where you, you've trapped at the same site multiple times? Oh, yeah. So I've got a customer um, that um, I've been there for over a year now, off and on uh, trapping. Sometimes I'll move to bait site, but if it's a good, if it's a good area, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it running. We'll keep it running. Wow. So I guess here's the big question: How many how many pigs do you have a, a pig count that you've? Um, I've kind of lost track of it. My, the the most I've trapped in one session was fifty, and wow. the average amount of hogs I trapped typically is probably maybe around twenty or so. Um, last night I trapped a three hundred and twenty five pound bull. Um, I saw I saw that picture so, today. That was. And it just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a game, really. Like, in fact, this this particular property where I'm trapping, I haven't had one sounder come in. Um, I was out there for two weeks. I had a single boar come in. That was it. And uh, went ahead and trapped him out. Moved the bait site. Another single boar came in. This is this is the first time this has ever happened to me, actually. When I set up... Every time I set up, I'll eventually get a sounder coming in. But what I'm finding, I think, on this particular property is uh, I've got a few big boars, and they're just bullying that area. Um, and 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 that's what and that can be a real pain in the butt sometimes because I can have a I've I've had a, a you know thirty hogs coming into a bait site and all of a sudden they stop and you know uh, I go back and look at the photos and sure enough I get a big boar coming into the bait site they'll bully that bait site. So I'll have to finish out my corral 
and I'll have to go ahead and drop the gate on him, get that bore out, open it all back up, and try to recondition the sounder to come back on. Wow. Well, sometimes it can be a pain, so we play a little game back and forth. I just, uh, I, I like hearing about the whole process because to me it's just it's cool. I've always sort of loosely followed people and seen the the evolution of of hog trapping over time and some crazy contraptions that people come up with that most of the time don't work, but yeah. everybody tries. Well, I mean, well, some hogs will never go into a trap. Yep. And uh, with those, you know, typically I, I call it. Uh, we call it dumbing down the sounder. So um, if I got a group of hogs that'll come in and, and, and um, most of them will go into the trap, but if there's those three or four that just still will not go in after a week's at a time, uh, then I'll go ahead and drop the gate on them and, uh, and trap what I can. And then we'll go out there with the thermal rifles and we'll, you know, we'll shoot the larger ones. Because uh, sometimes the sow that, that'll be reluctant to go into the trap, she'll keep some of her piglets from going in. Not so much worried about the piglets. We want to dumb down the sounder, meaning we'll go out there and we'll shoot all the larger, older hogs. And then we'll be easily be able to get the, uh, the younger pigs into the corral later. Hmm. That's an that's a interesting strategy. Well, they, they, they've got, they've got, they say that they've got over a hundred different vocalizations. In fact, when I trap, I like to get out there within the hour. Um, you know, if I can, um, just because of that, they're, they're so highly intelligent. They, and they start learning. They start learning to, you know, stay away from metal and right angles and, 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 and all of that. So, like I said, some hogs will never go in and, uh, go into the trap and that's when we have to kind of switch over to the thermal operation. I was going to ask, is there ever any natural, um, like natural terrain features you can use that have uh, been, been a good way to trap them? Yeah. Well, I typically like to be set up on a tree line. I don't want to set up right where they're rooting because that there's already something there. Um, especially with the neighborhoods. Um, a lot of times when these neighborhood yards get hit, those hogs are going after the grub worms, those little white, little worms. So, and you can see, I can go, I can go through a neighborhood that gets hit, and I can see which houses treat their yard for those worms. Huh. You treat you, and, and and I'll tell. In fact, I'm, I'm trapping right now for an HOA, and um, and I told them, you know, let your, you know, let the residents know that they ought to go ahead and treat their yards uh, for for these animals, and that'll help. Um, you know, I've got a bait site set up for them right now, but, uh, but so yeah, so I don't like to set up at the right where they're rooting. Um, I like to be on a tree line. I like to be near water if I can. Uh, hogs don't sweat, so they have to have water. Um, and that's another thing that hogs damage is water supply. You don't hear much about that, but the amount of uh, pollution, uh, brucellosis, and, and, and uh, brucellosis is one of the diseases they carry, but uh, I think it's E. coli. They're mm-hmm. considered a, I think it's a non-point polluter, I think they call it, uh, as far as uh, the way that they um, uh, damage the environment as far as uh, polluting groundwater and uh, bacteria, bacteria. Yeah, I uh, could see it, that. It, it, I mean, yeah. it's they, they make a mess of things. I've seen uh, creeks and stuff, too, that just do. And, uh, and often at times, too, uh, when they, when they, when they, damage these creeks um, and wallows and all of that, that also gives way to uh, invasive grasses 
that can come in and damage our waterways as well. I didn't think about it from a, a horticulture perspective outside of agriculture, but I mean, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. I have uh, a question. You made me think of when you said they, they need water, right? Um, a few I've shot in the past have been extremely hard to find uh, when I go bow hunting just because their skin's so tight, they don't bleed a lot. Do you find if you shoot one, do they have the tendency to go towards water like deer do? Um, I, I don't know about shooting, them, but that probably is true because a lot of times uh, when these guys get their dogs out, a lot of times you'll see these the, the, these hunts end in water. Huh. So it is it does seem yeah. like they, they kind of do uh, uh, go to water. Um, thinking that they may be able to escape. I think if they're, if they're, they're kind of cornered. But if you ever watch any of the videos, and I don't have a lot of experience with dogs, I've got I got a couple of guys that'll run dogs for me if I need them. But um, but from what like I've you seen, use pigs because they're smarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so a lot of times, a lot of times I've seen that that, that they do go to water. It's a good question. I, I wonder if it has to do too with like a, a stress point, and if they're gonna. It, you know, exert a lot of energy if it's just sort of a natural instinct to be like, maybe, you know, I'm going to need water at some point if I'm going to get out of here and get scared and be on the move. And it's just kind of a, a something naturally built in, in addition to maybe. like maybe an escape plan, but also like a survival plan as well. Well, they, well they, they naturally seek out whatever takes the less amount of calories to burn. So you huh. could have a you could have a, uh, you know, one pound of, of corn, a pile of one pound of corn right in front of a hog, and then, but there would be 20 pounds, you know, 20 feet away. He's going to go after what's in front of him first. That's crazy. But during the daytime, too, you're going to have a lot of trouble. I mean, it's a lot harder to hunt these hogs during the day. Usually they're bed down in a cool spot. So if you know where to find them, then, you know, that's great, but. Uh, the most effective way to hunt them is, is uh, with the farmers at night. I I can attest to that. We I lived in Southern California for a little while, and we would get out, and there was rumor of, you know, you'd hear of a hog here, a hog there, and there was always rumor of a guy that let some go, and they they slowly started growing in population over like a five ten year period, and then I mean we spent we spent a good amount of time trying to look for them. No sign. No, nothing like not even at night hearing, you know, hearing noises or seeing rutted up areas and people would swear up and down they could. And I'm like, look, like I'm from Oklahoma. We've had hogs. I've seen hogs. I grew up with them like this. This doesn't make logical sense. But most of the encounters people would have would be at night. And I think uh, what a lot was happening is that California is so dry. So they would they would stay centralized around really remote water sources. And then also like the, the vegetation and stuff, they were able to just move through it cause it would be thick in some of the wilderness areas. And it's, it would only be like waist high with, you know, you could easily make a tunnel and go through there. So you could never technically never see them even at yeah. night. I mean, um, unless you had thermal. I, uh, I trapped 45 hogs inside of the beltway here in Houston, which that may not mean anything to anyone that's outside of uh, Houston, but the Beltway is kind of um, kind of like the, uh, you'd say it's kind of like where uh, a lot of the urban area kind of starts inside the Beltway. And I trapped 45 within the Beltway. They had access through just a, a green area 
um, and they were running through a bayou um, uh, right through town. And um, I, I, was, I tracked 44 hogs out of there, and and, uh, and a lot of people were very surprised. They had no idea. They'd never even seen hogs from that area. Yeah. So I, I they're, they're there. You, you just, you just, you just, you, just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Most likely they are. I think that's to a lot a lot of people so there's a population in the southern part of Florida so more the west coast of Florida is typically where people look for them so on the gulf side um but we we spent some time in the it's in the Everglades basically where there's some populations and there's a lot of speculation whether the increase in Florida panther population has has had an effect on them or if they've been hunted out, but people swear up and down, there's none here. And it it just, I had a conversation, you know, it was several months ago with some guys in the Everglades. And I was like, I find it hard to believe that you guys find, found the magic solution to eradicate hogs. Hmm. You're probably one of the first places in the entire country where hog population has start and then gone to completely zero in like a five year period. So alligators, (laughs) I don't know, know. I've heard about some pretty crazy Florida guys, uh, trapping, trapping hogs down there and chopping their ears off and cutting off their cutters so that they, they grow longer at the, on the bottom, I guess. Um, and then, and then, and then of course, barring them, cutting their balls off and then re-releasing them. And I've heard, I've heard crazy. So there's like these giant looking evil aardvark things running around. I've heard it, never seen it. It just may be, uh, it may be uh, just folklore or something. I actually, no, I, I heard that not about the, the boar's teeth or the, the ears, but um, I heard about them like castrating them and re-releasing and then mm-hmm. trying to shoot them again. That yeah. way they'd well, like fatten up like a domestic hog. Well, supposedly they'll cut the ears too, so, uh, so you can't get your dogs on them. They call them dog killers. That's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, well, I you know we bring in we bring in dogs. We haven't yet, but um, I would you know just to come up to clean up afterwards. Yeah. You know, really, what what I would do is I would start a baiting program, trapping program. Uh, you know, use the thermals, and then if there's anything else that we need to clean up, then we would you know, we would run the hogs or the dogs through. Yep, I, I didn't mean about the dogs. Just to clarify, just about the manipulation of the tusk and stuff like that. I'm, I'm... And, and and the dog hunting uh, with hogs too. It's a it's a touchy subject with folks, you know. Oh uh, yeah, a lot of the animal Absolutely. rights people don't. It, it's it's you know it's it's not exactly the most pleasant thing to watch at times. Well, I think a lot of states too have outlawed it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of Florida. But there's a, you know, and there's a need for it, but. You know, with the dogs, they're going after, you know, if you got a single big boar, they're great, you know. Um, that's pretty much what they kind of, you know, they'll go after the smelliest hog. So they'll mm-hmm. pretty much, you know. Um, so there's a place for it. There's definitely a place for it, just like there's a place for trapping, just like there's a place for uh, aerial gunning and, and, and stuff. So what what do you think is the most effective method out of out of <clears throat> all that would be in in the hypothetical toolbox if we yeah it, it would be trapping trapping is the most effective i mean it's you know um the you know how else can you get 15 hogs or 50 hogs one person 
you know, in a matter of just a few days. So uh, it's most effective, in my opinion. And I, according to Texas A&M, uh, they, yeah. they feel the same way. I mean, I look at the cost, you know, being in the Coast Guard, and I've looked at the cost that it takes to operate a helicopter for, you know, hours. Um, and it just seems you put one guy with a, you know, precision marksman on a helicopter shooting hogs, like how much bang for your buck are you truly getting? Because it's like thousands of dollars yeah. an hour. Yeah, so um, our traps are... They're gonna, you're gonna pay around five thousand dollars for one of our traps, but you know the amount of damage that hogs do, especially you know, I sell to customer. I provide a trapping service, but then I also sell our, our mm-hmm. uh, Jaeger Pro mine trapping system to uh, to mostly farmers and ranchers, and uh, some of these game ranches, hunting ranches. I've, I've done some work for too, and, and also sold to them. Um, and, and I tell my customers, you know, I can come out here and trap. And I knock them back, but there's nothing to say that, you know, six months from now or three months from now, another sounder is not going to come in and, and fill that void. So uh, a lot of times it's it, it's in, in some folks' benefit to go ahead and purchase a trapping system, especially if they're not going to have any type of hog-proofing fence. So where's the where's the most unusual place that you've trapped hogs at? I, I trapped for a, a delivery company, a trucking company. And that was one that I touched touched on uh, that was inside the city. Yep. Um, those hogs I had to go, and since they're in the city, I had to use a, and I couldn't trap them out live, um, just because it was on a, a hill. It was in a trucking company facility um, where the hogs were actually coming onto the property, and truckers were having to, while they're trying to truck park their eighteen wheelers, they were being threatened by hogs. So. Um, that was probably the most unusual place. I was thinking about you. You mentioned that, and uh, what was it the the elderly lady that was mauled by the hogs? Mm-hmm. Was it last year? Yeah, um, I think that was in October. It was Chambers County. That woman, what well, we think, uh, she had startled a group that just happened to be in between two cars or in that area. She may have ran in between the two cars, but um. She died. The hogs didn't eat her. Um, what probably happened is she scared them. She was knocked off her feet. She did have a head wound. and um, But she was bit so many times Ooh. that she bled out. That's how she died. She bled to death. She had so many bites. You know, the hogs with, the, you know, with those cutters, if they just run in between your legs and they get a hold, they, they slice through that femoral artery you're done. And that's typically uh, when people have a hog encounter and die. Typically, uh, that's what happens. They run between the legs and they just, you know, move their head like that and they'll just slice right through you. How uh, how common are, are you know, injuries or fatal it's injuries? Not, fatal. Fatal. It's not common at all. Have you ever been injured while trapping? No, I've never. Um you know they're always behind uh, behind my my barrier, and uh, sometimes if I see a big group, if I get if I'm getting a big group coming in or a big four, I'll reinforce it with T posts. So um, I've never I haven't had any any uh, any injuries yet. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. That's yeah, I, I just jinxed you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we're we're pretty careful, and you know I've got a pistol on me when I'm dealing with them. Sometimes I'll have a rifle, and a lot of times I like to have a buddy with me. 
Um, so, uh, you know, it's just uh, safety is definitely an issue. And, uh, you know, I, I keep a, 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 a you know, a, a med kit, emergency med kit with me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I've got a firearm and, and, uh, so we're, we're pretty safe about it. We used to growing up, they would always, there'd be certain areas where we'd go out shooting and, uh, you know, just be out target shooting or whatever. And it was always kind of a rule of thumb. Like you saved, you saved one round for the walk back to the truck or back to the yeah. cabin or wherever, just in case you ran across. Well, I've, I've had, um, now I've had a sow charge me before at a bait site. Um, that tank, yeah, I've had a sow charge me. Um, she came within, I don't know, 30 feet. And, um, after that, I always made sure I was carrying a firearm. Uh, all I had available to me was a stick on the ground that I threw at her. And, uh, I think I yelled first. She didn't stop. She kept coming at me. And then I threw a, a rather large stick at her and that stopped her and turned her around. But, um, Ooh. before that, I, you know, I was pretty lackadaisical about carrying a firearm. And this was in the middle of the day. I, I thought nothing of it because it was, you know, three in the afternoon. That's what was so surprising. But she was, uh, she was pretty dominant and, um, and, uh, you know, she just, Tried to bully me out of that. Did she have piglets or no? She did. She did. Oh, okay. So, you know, she was defensive in that aspect, I'm sure. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to hear the stories, and, of course, things get blown out of proportions in the media. Uh, so it's good to hear hear the resounding truth. Um, yeah, hogs, will. they do not seek people out. They do not eat them. Um, they're... They're omnivores, you know. They're, you know, so uh, they'll eat just about everything, and, and that's 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 the bad thing about it. Yep, One I think the term opt- opportunistic omnivores, like you were saying, if something's convenient to them, that's probably what they're going to eat. I mean, if you want more quail, if you want more turkey, uh, you got to you got to manage the wildlife. You got to manage rac- raccoons are another one, uh, you know. It, they wreak havoc on on on, on, uh, on turkey populations and quail. So you want to keep those raccoons down. You want to keep the hogs down. You want to keep the coyotes down. You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that as far as in reference to quail. Because growing up, uh, our quail population in, in southeastern Oklahoma started to decline quite a bit. And everybody, there was a lot of research people were doing at the time because fire ants was a big conversation point and the the movement of fire ants northward uh i think scared a lot of people a lot uh well uh, quite a bit and i'm just curious is maybe if there were some research gaps in there where as wild pig populations grew as well if they weren't also playing into an effect and that's um i and the ants were definitely an issue and i think that was an issue for sure mm-hmm. um i think that that was that, that was detrimental to the population uh, Texas A&M has put out um, decoy nests and done studies, and they found that hogs do attack uh, turkey nests. They do attack quail nests. It's been proven with their decoy ner- uh, decoy uh, nests. That's pretty. I, I yeah, I find that interesting because too. That's, I mean, that's a a huge problem, especially as a lot of places work to repopulate turkey in certain areas where populations have gone down quite a bit um but i mean do turkey and quail pose any kind of threat to them no to hogs no 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 it's just everything in nature loves an egg 
Yeah. So uh, that that's where that's where it's happening. It's it's uh, you know, well, I mean, turkey. I mean, they're born to die. You know, so I think it's only thirty percent of turkey eggs, you know, survive. Thirty uh, percent of um, the poults survive the first year. Thirty percent of the jakes and uh, jennies survive that year, and only thirty percent beyond that. So. Yeah, you know, they're they're kind of born to die. <laughs> it's yeah, it's staggering. But when everything you, when you everything the loves an egg. Everything yep. in nature loves an egg. So that's yeah, what happens. The hogs good. just get into those nests. Yeah, so I think Dustin, to your question, like it's not they don't pose a threat to the hogs. The hogs are eating them. They're <laughs> that's what it know. is. Yeah. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Decova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Um, so do you, do you eat uh, any of the hogs you trap or where, where do, I guess the first question would be, where do the hogs go once, once you trap them? What's your normal process? I like to typically just leave it up to the customer. Sometimes they'll have me go ahead and put them down. A lot of times they'll just have me put them down, and uh, then I'll take them out to my property and dump them, just give them back to nature. Um, <clears throat> I get folks tell me, you know, you know, all that wasted meat. You know, you should give it to the churches. But you know, the logistics of doing all that is, is pretty complicated, especially when. You know, sometimes I don't know when I'm going to drop the gate. Sometimes I drop the gate at three in the morning. I've got to get out there and trying to, you know, organize four or five church members to come and slaughter the hogs for me that have never slaughtered hogs before or bringing a bunch of people onto my um, customer's property. I just can't do that. And as far as, you know, me hiring a crew and, and getting them to come out there at three in the morning and slaughter, you know, 30 hogs. Uh, it, it, you know, I can't pay them enough to do that. So, um, it, it's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. I, I can see where that could get uncomfortable quick. You know, Hey, brother John, we got some, uh, food coming up. Would you like to help us? Yeah, sure. Whatever you do, just meet me at three in the morning and here's a knife. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the last thing I need too is, you know, uh, some, you know, poor person that's, you know, having to you know, go to a, a food bank and, you know, God forbid they get some kind of uh, uh, reaction, some kind of yeah. bug, brucellosis. More illness because it wasn't prepared. Right. right. And who are they going to come after? You know, so uh, yeah. it's just, it, it's risky. I, I, and I hate that. I hate the fact that, you know, I wish that I could feed everyone, but um, just with the logistics and money, uh, it's just, and time, 
um, and, and, and clearing that bait site effectively and getting ready for the next group. This is about eradication. These are not game animals. That's the thing that people need to understand. You can kill a wild hog in Texas by any means except for poisoning. That means if I see a hog on my property, I can take my pickup truck and I can run them down and kill them. I can kill them by any means except for poisoning. I think that's that's an important... I mean, like we just mentioned earlier, there's a time and place for hunting them, there's a time and place for trapping them. And if you look at sort of the, I guess, the negative effects on the entirety, I'm not one to see meat wasted, um, but I also understand, you know, a, a problem. A problem is a problem, and if the most proficient solution is trapping in this method, then, then that's, you know, that's kind of the the end, I think. You know, and, and we, you know, some of them get slaughtered. Some of them, you know, so I've got some guys that are able to come and meet me, and and uh, you know, it's not that we don't slaughter, you know, any and that we waste all of them, but um, you know, and really, I mean, this is an invasive animal. It's not supposed to be here anyway. They're detrimental to our habitat, so um, I don't feel bad about it. Uh, every hog I kill, I, I just imagine, you know all the, the fawns, all the turkey, all the quail, all the indigenous reptiles, all the indigenous amphibians uh, that I'm saving every time I kill one of these animals. You know, I, I don't kill them because I enjoy it, but it, 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 I don't feel bad for it. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't. I, I, I feel bad taking any life, but um, I feel like I'm preserving uh, native wildlife when I'm doing it. Yeah, and I think... I think most people have put to a choice, you know, um, would, would choose the same route too. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I mean, I would, if you look at native species compared to an invasive species, there's a reason they're classified as invasive species. And the reason that people are looking at them in a negative manner, um, because of the harm they're doing. So, uh, that's an important thing I think to consider. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's like, that's what we're lacking is the mechanism to to use them as a food source properly which would cause a rise in eradicating them but without understanding the logistics and and how everything plays out and how hard they are to get and when you do get them how quick you have to get rid of them and how without understanding that it's easy easy for people to sit back and say well just shoot them and kill them just feed them to someone you know it should be easy but it's it's the people who understand it that know how to properly cook it how to how to brine it when it's too tough and and if there was a way to maybe properly educate more people on that, that might be our next step in bringing the numbers down. And, and, and Texas A&M does a great job. So Texas has what's called the AgriLife Extension offices. There's a Texas AgriLife agent in each county in Texas. If a farmer or rancher has a problem, uh, he goes to this Texas AgriLife agent. And they're doing a good job here in Texas. They, they're doing uh, countywide uh, feral hog workshops where they're showing different trapping techniques um, and, uh, and, and different ways to prep, prepare them to eat. And, uh, they've got a bounty on wild hog tails, um, which I think it's five bucks a, a tail, um, which isn't much, but it might reimburse a little bit of gas and ammo. But, um, <clears throat> I find that my 762 by 39 on the AR platform saves a lot of money too. It's a cheap bullet and it's, it's a good solid bullet to knock these hogs down. So. <laughs> But, um, 
But yeah, there's there's a lot of education. Texas A and M. I'd encourage anyone that wants to, to learn more about hogs, go to Texas A and M's uh, feral hog uh, page, and if you just Google A and M feral hogs, you'll find it pretty easy. So, um, and, and that's probably one of the best resources. Um, not everybody can afford a five thousand dollar trap, so uh, there's other techniques that you can do. There's other types of trapping systems that you can use. Um, not quite as effective, but uh, it may help in, in these folks uh, knocking back the populations from their property yeah. a little bit. Got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> um, I do want to talk about a little bit about some of your other hunting uh, ventures. Um, talking about snow geese, I looked at looked at hunting snow geese. I almost uh, pulled the trigger uh, to go up to Missouri this year uh, for some meetings, and I was going to try to rope in. Uh, a guided snow geese hunt along with it. And I was really kind of, uh, impressed by the populations and the way that, that things have gone with them. Mm-hmm. Well, would... well, you know, they've got the extended season. So, uh, with the snow geese, un- you, could, you know, it's unlimited. And I guess what's that from, I think that's around February to March. Mm-hmm. There's the extended season. Um, our goose season was horrible last year. And uh, that was due, in fact, to the to the, the rice crop. Um, oh. The the second harvest uh, was so bad, uh, the farmers didn't want to burn the diesel to uh, to cut the to cut the the rice. So uh, the geese aren't going to land in that. You know, you've got to cut that. That rice has got to be cut uh, in order for the geese to land in it. So uh, hardly we've got about three thousand thirty thousand acres. Uh, different properties that, that uh, the hunting club I'm in, and um, it was just uh, it was it was a dismal season uh, due to the rice the rice harvest. Oh, that's disappointing. How much different is it than than let's say duck hunting? Is it pretty similar? Well, they, it's it's deceiving because they look like they're flying slower because of the size of them, but they're still flying fast. Um, it's duck hunting. If you're on a good duck hunt. Um, I guess it's a little more faster pace. Uh, the goose hunting is more of a process. Uh, we put out a minimum of, typically a minimum of 500 decoys. Uh, and, and we put out, you know, we'll put out full body decoys. So uh, you get five, six, seven, eight, ten guys, and uh, we're all putting out decoys first thing. Usually takes 45 minutes, and we're still struggling to get them all up uh, by, by shooting time. So, um, it, with the goose hunting, it's a lot different. You're going to have a lot bigger spread. Um, the weather conditions, too. Uh, you know, blue sky, bluebird day, you'll still hammer the, hammer the heck out of the, out of the geese. So, weather conditions, I think, typically are not, you know, what, what's optimum for ducks is not always optimum for goose hunting. That's uh, that 500... <laughs> 500 decoys yeah that turns that turns a lot of people off (laughs) you gotta you gotta earn your geese here (laughs) yeah i know some of my buddies are like hey i want to go goose hunting i want to come goose hunting until i tell them what time i'm gonna pick them up (laughs) right i might start breeding geese and get a really really high fence here (laughs) uh do you do any other kind of game hunting yeah uh we do dove hunting uh, duck hunting, goose hunting, a deer hunt, um, and uh, well, that's about it. I mean, I've done some, I've done uh, quail hunting and, and uh, pheasant, but really, uh, I'm mostly just, uh, you know, being a, a Katy, Texas boy. I'm 
uh, you know, we goose hunt, deer hunt, and, uh, and hog hunt. Nice. Yeah. That's good. And, and for people... Yeah, I've done a little bit of deep sea fishing, too. So I'm only about an hour from uh, from Galveston and, and about an hour and a half from Freeport. So uh, we, yep. we get some fishing in there, too. It's we do some bait spots. fishing, and and, uh, and uh, we've done some, a little bit offshore. Um, I was going to ask about that, but so thanks for answering that for me. <laughs> um, I was going to say for a lot of people listening that um, may not know the scope of, of rice production in Texas, uh, that it's it's definitely a, a leading producer in the in the U.S. And to say that all the farmers that aren't going to harvest rice is it makes a big impact in it. I don't know, it leads to some questions in, in the agriculture world and, and the economy about about that, but as that affects hunting as well. But. It does, it, you know, and it's, we're, 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 we're steadily, you know, um, infringing on, 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 uh, on the habitat, you know. Um, where I live right now, uh, 20 years ago, I could hunt here because there were rice fields around me. Now Amazon has moved in, warehouses, apartments. Uh, it's completely changed. Um, and the geese, we're having to go further out. We're having to drive further southwest of, uh, of Houston, uh, further, further west, southwest to, uh, to get, you know, to get to where the geese are. They're being pushed out further and further. Hmm. It's, uh, yeah, and I see that. I don't see that that uh challenge ending in in texas anytime soon with a, a lot of people businesses flocking to the state yeah well 99 percent of uh, texas is, is private property yeah so um and that and that presents some challenges for hunting uh for folks um i typically i i, I i've never had much luck public hunting um i lived in virginia for five years i, I public hunted in uh, virginia and I just, I, I don't have much, anything really good to say about it. Um, and, and Maryland as well. I've always just had better success on private land. Um, it just, it seems like, uh, you know, folks take care of their land uh, a little bit better. I mean, public hunting, I just, I haven't had much luck. It's, uh, some of these, some of these, uh, you'll, you'll see, I, I remember seeing some of the blinds were in such disarray. You know, when they were leaving it up to the state of Virginia to fix them and all that. And yeah, it's just, uh, I haven't had much luck with, with public hunting. But uh, here, in, here in Texas, <coughs> you're going to pay. You're going to pay a little bit. Um, but usually it's, it's, it's worth it. I think it's, that's, it's unfortunately common in a lot of places. And, and you, you see how states, the, the lack of funding in states affects uh, management of public hunting and fishing areas it's it's pretty apparent pretty quickly um we actually we talked last night or last episode uh about a new act that's going before congress and and it's going to push a lot of if if passed it's going to push a lot of funds down to even down to the county level so and um, that's where it needs to be anyways yeah i think putting it putting it in the people in the hands of the individuals that are preparing to do the work is 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 pretty key so well um, we uh, you know with our club um we've got access to thirty thousand acres um and it, it's mostly all rice it's rice farms and uh we all kind of we just all pitch in 
and um, the general fund that you know that the, that the club owner uh, you know we started it and you know, we all pay our, our, our season dues and uh, tends to, to get us quite a bit of land um, and that's really just the way to do it you can come in and you know come in and hunt as a guest you know I think nowadays it's about $225, $250 for a day hunt, for a duck hunt, goose hunt. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I hunt so much, so I paid the $1,200, $1,300 for the, for the seasonal, seasonal yeah. deal. I, uh, I'm starting to see a lot more, or noticing a lot more groups like that, and then even like uh, land trust, where you got a lot of people forming together and then hiring somebody to sort of manage it for them. Same process. Um and when I saw one the other day where it was, they had even had a lottery system. So you, you bought into the lottery and then you would, you would draw and then they would zone out different areas on the land. And it, it seemed like a very, uh, not a comp, well, complicated process, but, a an in-depth process, uh, mm-hmm. in, in comparison to a lot I've seen. So it's, I think something I'll pay close attention to is, is it continues to evolve, but looking at hunting clubs all over the, you know, all the country I grew up hunting. It was a guy who guys who 12 of them together and they had three different properties that probably totaled 500 acres, mm-hmm. uh, that, that we hunted with. And yeah. And that's the way over. to do it. I mean, you get, you know, number one deal, you know, the first thing with hunting, I mean, you can't hunt unless the animals are there. So, or you can hunt and have no success, but you've got to know where the animals are. So yes, joining the club i don't have time to scout i don't have time after work or whatever to go drive and check all these different fields so you know when you're in a club uh like the club that we're with um coastal prairie outdoors in fact if you want to come down to goose hunt that would be we'll have to talk about that and i'll let you know how the season's going sure but um but you know uh scott clary's the guy that runs it but he's got his guides that are out you know um that are scouting so uh, they're putting them to bed at night, and then and then we decide on where we're going to hunt in the morning. So I, it's just a lot more beneficial for me because I don't have time to do all the scouting. I don't have the money for 500 full-body goose decoys. So, uh, you know, it just makes more sense to join the club. If you're not going to hunt that much, go do a day hunt. And I would tell this to anybody before they go hunt or join a club, go do a day hunt first with the guide. See what it's about first before you go and blow all your money. Yeah. So I, I saw something like this firsthand. I wanted to get into waterfowl when I was living in Colorado. I didn't know anything about it. There's tons of ducks. Can I shoot that one? Can I not? You know, last thing I want to do is shoot a bald eagle swinging by or something. You know? <laughs> but um, they had this uh, this veterans group. and it was, it was like a hunting club. And they did that. They did Wounded Warrior Day shoots. And they're like, hey, we're taking people out. Come check it out. And that's the first time I saw that. I was like, man, that's a lot of decoys. Yeah, they got... They got decoys moving, and they got sta- you know static ones, and and it was it was pretty nice to see how everything worked before getting into it. But also, as someone who's never gone duck hunting before, I was able to get a lot of a lot of other people's experience and ask so many questions within like five hours that I was there sitting there just just absorbing it. I think it's a great uh, program to have for for people who want to just get into it for new new hunters. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, 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 I was it, so excited about it when, you know, I had, I didn't start bird hunting until I was 27 years old. Um, I was watching duck hunting. Show. I mean, I grew up hunting deer and, 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 and trapping hogs, but 
bird hunting. I never did. I did. I, you know, I, I watched. I started somehow. I, you know, started watching duck hunting shows on Sundays. On, I guess on the on the sports shows. And I just decided, hey, I want to do that. So I went and bought camo, bought a dog, uh, bought a pup, trained the dog myself, joined a club. I think I paid 500 bucks for the season, you know. I was 27 years old before I killed my first duck, before I even went duck hunting. So you're never too old to get into it. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's never a point to a uh, point too late to start to agree with you 100% and I tell that to anyone I find like or meet and has questions about getting hunting I'm like look find someone that can can show you find a group of people that you feel comfortable being with and and be open minded open your ears you know yeah. learn don't be the yeah but guy just like Hey, you know, I'm here to learn. I've never hunted before. Be truthful and straightforward and don't pretend like you know what you're doing. And you'll learn a lot because people are, I find the hunting community is very receptive to that. Well, you know, speaking about learning, I mean, people folk, people have, now they've got YouTube. I never had YouTube. Yeah. So um, I wanted to kill a turkey. I wanted to go turkey hunting. Um, I was 47 now. I was probably 38, 39 when I decided I was going to kill a turkey. So I went onto YouTube. I, I went and bought a call. I started learning how to call. Uh, spoke with a friend of mine. He said he had a bunch of turkey. He let me go out there. Sure enough, I killed my first turkey. I killed four of them now. And like I said, I mean, I was, you know, 38, 39 years old. And uh, I, I called in a seven bearded turkey, which was a county record. Um, and I let my buddy shoot it, which I was kicking myself in the teeth when I ran <laughs> up to that turkey. Started counting the beards, and I counted seven. It's insane. Yeah, seven <laughs> beards on this thing, and I let my buddy shoot them. So, anyways, that was that was kind of annoying. I, I hope you kind bought like, your you dinner. Know, your, <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of like when you let your buddy come out to your land, and then he kills the big twelve point. You know. Yep. So, <laughs> Been oh, watching man. that one all year. Yeah, that was that that ate me up for a couple of years, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's never too late. And now I mean people people have YouTube at their disposal. So, uh I learned how to call um you know, just simple, you know, simple pecks and you know, yelping, a little bit of yelping and mm -hmm. and that was enough. And I like I said, I've brought in four of them uh doing it and it's just, you know, and I get people I want to learn how to do it. And, um, and I'm happy to tell people everything that I know. Same with trapping. You know, I sell to my competitors. Like, I sell Jaeger Pro Corral Traps. So, um, you know, I'm selling my competitors, but, and I, I, but I will tell them. I will tell them how I do this. There's enough hogs for everybody. So, um, you know, I'm not one of these people that uh, try, to, try to keep uh, secrets and, 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 and all of that. Um, I know what I'm doing, and uh, we've got a good process. And, if folks follow the process, I think all of us will be successful. Yeah, I think that's key. Going back to that sort of uh, eradication standpoint, um, looking at it from that perspective, the more people that are proficient at it, the more chance we have at sort of of win it, winning the battle on on more managing managing the population more proficiently. I guess, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean. It's especially Texas. Like I said, it's ninety nine percent private property. The state of Texas, 
views the wild hog as a private property issue. Okay, so they'll have bounty programs. They'll help a little bit, but um, but they see it as a private property issue. So really, you know, it's up to the HOAs. It's up to the individual homeowners, property owners, farmers, ranchers um, to, to um, you know, take a, take a step forward. You know, um, often when I'm trapping, uh, I'll, I'll tell my customers, hey, you know, go talk to your neighbors next door. Um, you know, because uh, this will benefit them. And then if I can get on their property, it'll benefit the next one over, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, and, and in fact, I've sold, um, I've sold, tra- I've sold traps to Texas Parks and Wildlife. I've sold traps to Texas a and They bought from me. Um, That's cool. <laughs> but often um, I'll get some ranchers that they'll all chip in, you know, $5,000 is a lot of money. And uh, what they'll do is they'll take my gate and, you know, they'll build out their own corrals and they'll just move our gates around to different properties. So it just, ta- it takes everybody working together really. Um, you know, and, and I think it's more at the community level. The federal government's going to throw money at it, but you know, I was looking at their pilot program, the USDA pilot program, and they're throwing money at Missouri. They're throwing a little bit at Texas. It, it, I don't know what's going on with it. It doesn't make much sense to me, but, um, you know, they'll, they'll keep on trying to pass up the poison also. Um, like I said before, we're against it. The environmentalists are against it. Uh, the majority of hunters are against it. Um, so I think we just need to keep, you know, I think we need more traps out there and we need more education. You know, yeah. um, if, if you're not running a trap right, well, then you're, you're just educating the hogs. Um, a lot of times. So, uh, you know, you can be doing a lot of good, but then if you don't know what you're doing, it could be somewhat detrimental as well. Especially when you're dealing with an animal uh, with the intelligence level that could be that these pigs have. That's, that is an interesting point I never thought about. Here at Harvest in Nature, we are known to cook a variety of wild fish and game in a variety of ways. Probably one of my favorite methods is to cook in a smoker. Traeger Grills has some of the best products out there. Their pellet grills aren't just grills. They're smokers and ovens too. Anything you can do in the oven in your house, you can do on the Traeger. You can make desserts. You can grill steaks. You can use cast iron pans and braise tough cuts. You can allow roasts and briskets to smoke all day until they're tender and delicious. You can even use it to make jerky. Their variety of pellets are also very impressive. The different flavors of wood allow you to pair with your meat or fish or vegetables and give it the most flavor that you can create. They even have varieties created specifically for your next wild fish or game meal. I will ask you this though. So I ask this to everybody that we have on here. What is your go-to favorite wild game? Doesn't have to be boar um, recipe. Oh, all right, it's a very easy one, but it, my go-to all-time favorite flavoring grilling is uh, dove dove breast. Wrap it in bacon, cream cheese, jalapeno. Throw it on two minutes on each side, if that. Fresh off the grill, it's quick, it's easy, and it's freaking delicious. And it is a delicious game animal. I think I think there's a lot of people that 
uh, you just became their favorite wild game chef right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a simple one too. So I'm not a chef, so I'm, I'm de- I can trap them, but I'm not the best cook in the world, but that's something I could throw on and nobody ever complains. Dove poppers. Dustin, you, you're, you're a connoisseur of dove poppers too. I love poppers. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Dove. Uh, poppers are good. Uh, definitely not my favorite way, but I, I, I still love them. And for the quick and the ease and, and the wow factor, you got a lot of flavors going on there. So it's, yeah. uh, it's always a crowd pleaser. Uh, I do want to talk about a little bit about some of our rest. Dustin cranked out a, uh, a wild boar holiday ham here back a couple months ago. Uh, so I'll let him give a little quick rundown of that. Yeah, I mean, it's so you ever have someone make you that holiday ham and they're like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to use a secret ingredient, use some root beer. Um, basically, uh, I like to use a wild boar for the ham and then I replace that root beer with uh, cream soda. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's that's one of my favorites. That's that's the part that's kind of like the secret. But um yeah, well, that uh, agave syrup and maple syrup, so uh, uh, brown sugar, uh, putting all those together, and then uh, of course you have your cinnamon stick, like like everyone has. But um, I use a pinch of uh, anise and a little bit of orange lemon. So there's a, there's a citrus flavor, and then there's the cloves and the cinnamon. So it kind of has that like fall feel, but then it has the sweetness, which complements that that spicy flavor and the sweetness comes from the, the cream soda, the maple syrup, the agave, and it really just in the brown sugar that you'd use to caramelize over it. It's and in the most recent one we did, we did on the Traeger. So it got a good, oh, a good yeah. smoke to it. So, Oh, that, that was amazing. That was, so that was my first real experience with the Traeger of a nice long, s- slow cook and it paid off. <laughs> so I have a, another recipe, uh, on here that I wanted to talk about. And it's, uh, it's more of a, a little gourmet recipe out of the three that I wanted to discuss. So it's spinach stuffed wild bourloin with arugula and pistachio pesto. So this is, uh, from one of our writers, Ara, and he, he was on the, the show back a couple episodes ago and he just does a really great job. And funny story about Ara is when we talked with him, we asked like, sort of getting into hunting because he's a professional chef and getting into hunting and learning the butchering aspect of it. And his, uh, his practice is what he would do is when his friends would go out to hunt wild pigs, instead of them trying to figure out how to do it on their own, he'd be like, just bring it to me and, uh, and I'll take care of it. So he said he, for the longest period, he was solely butchering all his friends hogs. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, you know what? I got pretty proficient breaking them down. Uh, but yeah, he does. I, I, I started using um, bo- a box cutter. I got yeah. sick of sharpening my, you know, I got a nice hunting knife and all that. But man, I'm telling you, it's redneck as hell. But a <laughs> box cutter with a pack of razor blades, I'm telling you, it goes dull, especially with hogs. You know, it's that thick fur um, uh, uh, box cutter. I've gotten it down to a box cutter, and it is proficient. Huh. Um, and, and, you know, you have to be careful as far as, you know, of course, uh, you know, at the abdomen, um, you know, not to cut the guts, but um, you can't beat it. Huh. Have you mm-hmm. tried the, the Havilon knives at all? No. The, 
They're replaceable blades. Similar concept, but they're more lightweight, a little more compact. Havilon? Um, Havilon, yep. Okay, I'll look it up. There's several uh, companies. Another one, um, some guys we had on the podcast a couple episodes ago, Allen Company. They have one. It's, uh, Corey, what is it called? The Gamekeeper? Yeah, Gamekeeper. I yep, believe that one. Yeah. I think that one's more readily available. You can pick it up at just about any sportsman store. But it's a it's just a, a foldable knife. Yeah. But the the blade itself is like surgical steel, and it it just replaces it. You can I use them in the field, and mm-hmm. it it takes about two seconds to change the blade out. And if I'm doing a deer or something, I can usually get. Uh, I just change out every deer. I'll I'll do a new blade. Can you sharpen the blades, or are they disposable? They're disposable. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just, just toss them, but uh, yeah, it's it's a good method. Most of the time they come with, when you buy them, they come with a little carrying case and uh, a, like a pack of 10 or 12 extra blades, too. How long is the blade on yours? Uh, on mine, it's probably about three to four inches, but they okay. make different size so that you can get a full, like, boning knife size or a fillet knife size like they have some different options so if you got one handle you can get interchangeable blades which cool. is pretty cool thanks for bringing that to my attention that's great yeah it's a it's a neat product yeah they're they're only like uh 20 bucks too nice uh just to run over this second recipe here real quick just uh looking at a a good pesto so taking arugula parmesan all your spices and then using that as the uh the topping on top of the stuffed pork loin oh. looks like it came out pretty good so a lot of good flavors there and then uh the last one this one's from a, a recipe i did uh many years ago back in in 2014 uh where we took some of the the pork it was ground and basically just made a, a homemade pizza but the, the great thing about the pizza is we used uh, some porter in the crust and rosemary. So we rolled out our own dough and then used the ground pork as the topping. It, it came out came out really, really well. So uh, just some recipes that we like to share as we move through, uh, move through our show here. Um, so I guess one of the last things is is Eddie, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Say they're in Texas or they find themselves in need of some hog trapping or they've got sure. questions or concerns for you. Sure. Um, uh, my website's texaswildhogcontrol.com. Uh, it's got my phone number on there. I'll give it over the air, 346-213-5407. They can get a hold of me and call me. pretty much answer my phone all the time. Um, and that would be it. Um, I've got social media. Facebook, Instagram, Texas Wild Hog Control, and get a hold of me on there as well. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the boar I knocked out um, this morning. That's uh, a big boy right there. Yeah, I, I think he was about 325 pounds. I didn't weigh him, but um, I knew he was. He, he's got a lot of Russian in him. If you look at him, he's got that big head, that long snout, and that bushy tail. Um, he ain't rushing to go nowhere yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we put an end to his looting on my uh, customer's property. That's for sure. <laughs> but nice. yeah, folks can get a hold of me, Texas Wild Hog Control, uh, okay. at the website, and um, you know we trap in residential areas, we trap commercial farms, ranches. Um, if it's within city limits, I've got a Benjamin three fifty seven air rifle that uh, you know is technically not a firearm. 
and uh, I, I take them out with that as well. Uh, well, so one of the last things we do is we do a little a little round to make sure anybody, the guy, the last thing they want to say, uh, they get the opportunity to do so. So, Eddie, being your guest, do you, do you have any last comments for us? Um, yeah. Um, wild hogs are extremely dangerous. Um, I would say it, you would want to hire a professional to take care of them if it's a problem. Um, Texas A&M is a good resource, uh, like I spoke about earlier. Uh, if you wanted to try and take care of it yourself, uh, it's a good resource, Texas A&M. Um, it's a war. They're not going away. Uh, there's more and more of them every day. So um, that's what I would leave everybody with. Uh, it's a dangerous animal. It's not something to be taken lightly, uh, like any wild animal, really. Um, and that's what I would leave folks with. Uh, again, I'm at uh, www.texaswildhogcontrol.com. Thanks, guys. Awesome. D uh, Dustin, last comment? No, it was really nice talking to you. Thanks for all the extra insight and yes, sir. Learn, learn a lot of cool new information. Yes, sir. Uh, Corey, how about yourself? I know we talked a little bit about the, uh, the hunting clubs, and uh, I've been wanting to, to do some wild hog hunting and you know, it seems like something that, you know, different than what I'm typically doing in western Pennsylvania. So uh, you try to do some, you know, Googling to, to look at places to go. or And a lot of things I find, it seems like they are canned hunts or, or hunts that I don't know if they're really wild hogs. So I guess you might have answered the question earlier with the the hunting clubs but what's the best way if someone like me coming from you know pennsylvania want to come down to texas to to hunt truly wild hogs what's what's uh, what do i need to have, do you would you would need to research so you would have to look up um different outfitters and you would have to ask those questions is this is this totally wild is it low fence hunt is it a high fence hunt um and, and that's the only way to do it is just to call these guys and talk to them and uh, try to, you know, look at their reviews, see what other hunters are saying about them. Hunters are not shy whenever they get, you know, screwed over by an outfitter. So um, I would go and check the, uh, would check their uh, uh, social media pages, uh, check for reviews on there. Um, I'm going to eventually be offering a, a thermal hog hunts. I'm still working on all my gear. Um, I've got two thermals. I just need one more. Um, and I'll be selling thermal hog hunts about $400 a person. What I can offer to folks is a low fence wild hunt. Uh, if we don't have much success, um, I've got access to 300 acres high fence, 300 acres, uh, where there's hogs. So, um, and, and we have a little bit of success with that. And 300 acres to me is still a wild hunt. Yeah, it's a large chunk of land. Yeah. Um, Corey, any other comments? Does that answer? Well, it, you had mentioned that, like, the day passes on those hunting clubs. Is, is there a lot of different places you could do that with? Yeah, uh, so um, and there, and so you can pay, I think, typically, a part, I mean, there's, got, there's guys that you can go out there and shoot um, at a feeder, um, you know, in the evening time. Those will typically run around anywhere from 80 bucks to 150 bucks. Uh, but your thermal hunts, you're going to run into about $400 a hunt. 
So yeah, no. really, you would have to. You just need to call these outfitters and need to ask them. You know, how are we hunting these animals? Are we hunting under a feeder? Sometimes they'll have a green LED under a feeder, and that way you can shoot at night with a regular scope. That green LED just lights up underneath the feeder. The hogs come in and you shoot them, which you know is cool. Uh, but uh, I think it's a little more fun to go out with the thermals and, and shoot at a whole sounder, and uh, you know it just seems a little more. It's just more enjoyable to me. Nice. I uh, those thermals are cool. We've we've used them before at work. And, and uh, yes, I'm a dealer. I'm a Jaeger Pro dealer, but I'm also a dealer for Pulsar and Trigicon. So, um, so you know, whenever you guys are ready for thermal, call me and um, and we'll work out a good deal. Nice. All right, Corey. Back to you, I'm, buddy. I'm good to go. I just just need to know when I can book. <laughs> I'm not doing hunts yet, so but Justin will be the first one to know. Uh, the whole COVID just really threw me off. I, I was planning on being ready to start selling thermal hog hunts this summer. Um, but like I said, COVID's kind of thrown me back a little bit. I might be ready by end of summer. If not, it'll be the following summer, unfortunately. Well, that brings up a point because we're talking about trying to control these animals and you hear stories about while well, everyone's locked down, you got regular deer, raccoon, like all these animals are going through town centers because they're not seeing any people anywhere. So I wonder what's, I wonder how much the hog population is growing in this time. Yeah, and I wouldn't be able to tell you because um, my business slowed down as far as the phone calls. The, the lockdown slowed everybody up with everything, uncertainty. I'm not, like, for my service, I'm not cheap. You're going to pay, just for me to set up, you're going to pay over $1,000 for me to just put my trap on your property. So a lot of people, you know, are not, uh, were, you know, it seemed like a lot of folks just weren't wanting to spend the money. I wasn't getting a lot of phone calls. But now that it's opened up again, the phone calls are coming back. The hogs haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, it's something to look at. They would hard, I imagine people a little skeptical about having somebody come out and visit their property just given all the concerns everybody was going through and everything but uh i want to say thanks very much for coming on to the uh the podcast and chatting with us you definitely put a lot more thoughts in my head about management of wild pigs and and uh approaching it from a different thought uh a thought pattern i guess i would say yeah that makes sense yeah well you know really Folks need to keep in mind this is not a game animal. And especially with us, what we're doing is we're not really hunting them, but this is eradication of an invasive species. So, you know, number one, you got to stop thinking of the wild hog as a game animal. It is not a game animal. And it doesn't deserve to be treated as one. It needs to be treated as an enemy that should be destroyed at all costs. Like you said, I'm going to leave it on that. And uh, if... Uh... If you don't follow us on social media, head over to Harvest in Nature, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that, uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Uh, give us a nice little review there. Uh, tell us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right. You can always email us to what's cooking at harvestinnature.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night.